0: Hello, everyone. Um, it's Tom. It is just about midnight on Tuesday after Memorial Day. Just watch the Warriors take care of business against the Rockets. Um, without Chris Paul, they re- the Rockets really had no chance. Uh, LeBron had an all-time performance yet again. He's really making an argument for himself to be the greatest player of all time. Just an all-time performance. Uh, Sean and I are definitely going to talk about those two series coming up. But yeah, so Warriors and Cavaliers, fourth year in a row. Uh, It's going to be a really interesting series, I think. Um, And the reason why you're only hearing my voice is just wanted to preface this podcast with a little something so Sean and I had been talking about changing the name basically since the start we didn't want to not have a name but We also really weren't happy with the Yankee Clippers to begin with. Um, Didn't really want everybody to think that we were a Yankees-oriented podcast. Me and him can only agree upon the Yankees, um, but we definitely can talk a lot more than the Yankees. We know a lot more about the three major American sports, um, and we're getting kind of sick and tired of explaining to people that we're not just a Yankee podcast, we're not just Yankee boys, and kind of knew from the top that... We weren't going to be called the Yankee Clippers forever, but also didn't want to not do a podcast just because we couldn't think of a good name. And we knew at some point it would come to us. So we're going to go ahead with the name change. Um, Sean and I both interrupt each other and say sorry to interrupt. And we're never really sorry. So we thought it'd only be right to name the podcast Sorry to Interrupt. Um And, yeah, we're going to be doing a website as soon as we possibly can with kind of a blog. Um, We're doing this all for free. And in our free time, Sean and I both have full-time jobs. So it takes a little bit longer than it would if we did this as a full-time job. That would be a great dream someday. But right now, that's not the case. So, yeah, sorry to interrupt podcast. Website coming soon. Hopefully, you guys that do listen are enjoying some of this and hopefully we can get some more ears to this um, in the near future so this podcast was actually recorded on Sunday morning before both series finished so Sean and I are throwing out predictions still like we don't know what's going to happen we both ended up being right Uh, fourth year in a row with the same series so this is the first podcast as sorry to interrupt as opposed to the Yankee Clippers uh, put that name to bed finally it's about time thank you and uh, enjoy the show thanks guys all right we are back we are Tom and Sean (laughs) Um, that's pretty much it right now. Um, so the NBA playoffs are back. Um, Game 7's coming up both sides. Dubs looked really good last night. Really, really good last night. Um, and yeah, I, I, I I'm not making any more predictions. I don't even know what to say. This, everything's throwing me off.
1: Yup, dude, you and everybody else. Um, I'm excited this, for the Game 7, though. This postseason though. has been completely against what most of the experts predicted everything changes so drastically game to game uh obviously you can say that for kind of any sport in, in any postseason or in a regular season but I tell you what though there seems to be the ebbs and flows of how a team can look from game to game uh on this in this postseason uh, has really been pretty remarkable and now the NBA got what it really needed and really wanted uh, for the fans, for how the perception of the league is, um, from the casual fan to the diehard, there are going to be two epic Game 7s starting tonight with the Cavaliers in Boston. Um, if home court holds up, the Celtics will go to their first NBA final since the 2009-2010 season, which would be truly incredible uh, without uh, Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward Uh But LeBron James is playing in a Game 7, which he hasn't lost many of in his career. And um, if there's anybody that can go into the TD Garden and win that Game 7 and will his team to a victory, it's going to be LeBron James.
0: Yeah, no. um, I I don't know anything about these playoffs anymore. I've pretty much given up on my predictions just because – We might still end up with Warriors-Cavs, but every day it's different. So now I'm just going to say... It would be a
1: lot more roundabout than we initially thought, though. I'm not going to make
0: any predictions, um, anything crazy. I'm just going to enjoy the two Game 7s. I still do think that it's going to be the Cavs and the Warriors, but I'm not going to go out on a limb either way because I've been wrong so many times that I'm I'm done with it. (laughs) I'm done with it.
1: Um... So, yeah, and, you know, to to kind of recap the game sixes from the weekend thus far, um, as we mentioned, home, home court held up in, in Cleveland, Ohio. LeBron James had uh, another 40-point game, his seventh of this postseason, um, channeling his inner MJ. He's, he's done everything he possibly can to get this team where it was. Kevin Love only played five minutes and didn't score a point, left the game with an injury. Uh, the rest of the supporting cast played okay. George Hill, kind of how you mentioned, that has those good veteran games, put in 20, but that was the LeBron James show. Uh, from the offensive side, from the defensive side, um, tough rebounding. He did everything. And then you go into a game six last night where the Warriors faced elimination for the first time in, in two years uh, in the Oklahoma City series. And the Splash Brothers showed up last night. That was the that was vintage Curry and that was vintage Thompson shooting.
0: Yeah, I haven't really seen that since KD came about um, that often. You know, I haven't seen Clay Thompson get that hot since. Um, must have been was it Game Six against Houston a couple of years ago before Durant was on the team. Or no, that that was against Oklahoma City. Yeah, he, the, he had the game six against Oklahoma um, City,
1: which kept them alive. You know,
0: what's interesting is I think that K-Love's really going to affect the Cavs um, if we were to break that down because, you know, now you're just going to have to put a bunch of shooters around LeBron and hope that they all are hot for one game, which is why I think the Cavs might pull it out because it's one game. If Kyle Korver can hit six threes and Jr can have his 15 points, and George Hill has another huge night. You only need one of those. Like, well, that's what LeBron's probably selling everybody. I just need one out of you guys. And then K-Love will be back for the finals most likely, and it'll be back to regular Cavs, even though we don't expect them to win. And then I was on the on the Warriors' side in the Western Conference Finals, you know, that was a vintage Splash Brothers game. Um, Draymond was flying around and looking motivated like he hasn't been, in, you know, all in a while KD is, you know, the second best player in the world and the Rockets just didn't have enough for it. Even though Harden had a good scoring game, he just he's just not he doesn't look like he's playoff ready ever. Um and then the supporting cast with Chris Paul and this hamstring thing, I don't think they have enough really unless Chris Paul is 100% to win. Um they got a lot of three-point shooting, but you know, I I just don't think they have enough especially if the warriors are clicking on all cylinders like they were last game. That game was that game was a blowout.
1: Which is crazy because the warriors didn't look good in the first half. They they trailed by 12 and even early into the third, but then they went on a run. Thompson hit a couple of threes and you know, the other thing about the warriors too, which which makes them so fun to watch is since Durant came over, they do, you know, they allow him to play isolation ball sometimes, especially when he's hot and and he can pretty much do anything on the court. Um, Curry's battled some injuries over the last few years, where he hasn't been what we saw when he was winning his two MVPs. And uh, Thompson, for as good of defensive as he is, you know he kind of gets lost in the shuffle sometimes with the scoring ability of Durant and Curry. But that the buzz in that arena and the buzz around that team when Curry is doing his thing from three. I mean, he hits threes like other players had dunks. You know, when Jordan or Starks would have a dunk in a postseason game, the crowd would go nuts. You have that now with Curry hitting threes, pulling up from 40, looking like he's unconscious. Same with Thompson. He was catching and shooting last night, not even thinking for a second, and and draining threes from all over the court. It's different when those guys are hot because that makes a dangerous offensive team – it, basically unstoppable.
0: Yeah, and then Warriors
1: run, or the uh, Rockets rather, ran into a buzzsaw last night.
0: Yeah, Clay it just looks like he's built for Game Sixes and Sevens or must-win games. Period. He always seems to show up. I mean, he he looked like uh, he it was crazy last night. He couldn't miss. He just looked ready, and the Rockets didn't. Um, so you know, not much else to say about that. I, I'm really excited for the two Game Sevens. Um, you know, besides that, I'm just going to enjoy them. I'm not going to throw out any crazy predictions because I've been wrong so many times. I think they're going to surround LeBron with shooters, and I think the Warriors are just going to stay hot. Yeah,
1: I mean, the, the Rockets have home court, which is a little bit of an advantage, but Golden State's so good that if they play anything close to how they did last night, it doesn't matter where they are. If the
0: Warriors come out and hit 10 threes in the first quarter, that home court advantage is going to cease to exist. I mean, it doesn't really matter. It's not going to be much of an advantage at all. Now, one
1: home court advantage that is the case is, is the TD Garden in Boston. Yeah, LeBron
0: doesn't care about that. If, if LeBron loses, I don't think it has to do with home court advantage. I think it has to do with Brad Stevens absolutely out coaching Tyron Lue, who looks like he's asleep out there at times. LeBron's really the coach. And the fact that LeBron is... Like, even the second greatest player of all time, and I even think Michael Jordan wouldn't have been able to, you know, if he can't do it, then he, no one could drag this team to the finals. Um, but, you know, if you really want a prediction out of me, <laughs> I know you're begging for it over here. Yeah, Jesus, Sean, relax. <laughs> I'll give you the Cavs you hit on and those the Warriors bro. Hit on going those to those finals. The Cavs and the Warriors.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Obviously, it doesn't mean anything, but... Hey, we can have some fun with the predictions. At the end of the day, this is what the NBA really wanted because even if you are getting the fourth straight matchup between the Warriors and Cavs, this was such a fun way to get there between for both teams. And it was it was not the foregone conclusion that everybody kind of thought it would be heading into the postseason, which is great for the quality of the league. It's great for the parity in the league. We can all agree that it's still very top-heavy, but it shows that there is legitimate competition between the one, 3s, and 4 seeds. The uh, NBA is always going to be
0: top-heavy. I mean, unless when they change up been? their... Yeah, Whenever uh, they have to change up their whole free agent structure and the tanking and all this shit for them not to be top-heavy. I mean, because... And and it will still be top-heavy because it's a league where one single player matters more in that league than any other league. Like, Mike Trout's the greatest baseball player ever to step foot on this earth. <laughs> oh, my God. To take a breath on this earth. Oh, my God. And he's only been in one series, and he got swept. LeBron James hasn't been swept g- has he ever been swept? he was swept
1: by the spurs in 07 yes, when in he the dragged finals, yes. the zydrunas ilgauskas anderson very yes, out exactly Verzau, exactly Cavaliers but that's my the point yes. the
0: the it's just totally different and the same thing with football like it took a Peyton Manning a long time to get over the hump you know so basketball will always be top heavy just because it's it's a very very singular player dominant sport i mean there's only 5 on the floor they play both sides. Whatever you can say, everybody knows this. I just so. think
1: it's. I just think this postseason's been so fun because, you know, even I who I, I'm interested in the NBA despite my team being god awful. Obviously, you're in the same boat. It's it's always, it you can turn you off a little bit to know that you might not even watch the postseason because you know last year, the Warriors didn't lose a game, until the finals. And the Cavaliers steamrolled their way through the Eastern Conference playoffs, and it was just like you know what home court obviously doesn't matter because they can you know they can rest their players in the regular season. They know wherever they're playing, it doesn't matter because they're the better team. And that's not a great way to have your postseason be, or and and as a result, your regular season be. So this year, having the battles that you had to get to this point, having the two. Conference Finals being very competitive, very evenly matched, star players on both ends, and then of course Boston, this gritty team losing its two All-Stars, one of which before really before the season even started, Uh, and then getting to where they've been, where they get to play Game Seven in their home building. It's just fun, man. It's great for the sport. It's going to make a lot of the fans who have become a little less, uh, you know, a little less in love with the nba kind of fall back into the love back in love with the nba so it's just a good situation all around and i'm sure the finals is going to be you know just an extension of of these western conference and eastern conference finals and it should be a great it should be a great end to the season
0: no yeah i agree i mean you know like you piggybacking off what you said last year it was like it wasn't even close. This series weren't even interesting because we knew the, the final outcome was going to be what it was because the Warriors were dominating and so were the Cavs. I mean, there's been a lot of blowouts this year, but you can't say that it's been a bad playoffs when LeBron James has to play a seventh game in the first round. But yeah, it's been a great playoffs. I'm um, super excited for the ne- for the next two Game Sevens. Probably going to try and watch every minute of that. But um. Moving on, you know, there's not much going on in the sports world. There's going to be even less once these NBA playoffs do end, so we should probably enjoy them while they last because there's only so much left. Um, We got some MLB, you know, we'll go around the league and everything. So the first thing I want to lead off with, just because I couldn't believe it when I heard it, um, uh, Hanley Ramirez randomly gets cut By the Red Sox. Um, I guess this was kind of a they didn't want to pay him a bonus um, kind of thing. And he hasn't really been having an awful year. Um, You know, not having an MVP type season, but he's also not having, you know, a, a season worthy of being cut. I mean, I think before he was getting cut, he was probably hitting third, fourth, fifth in the lineup for one of the best teams in baseball. Um, I don't really know what else you have to say besides that. He had almost 30 RBIs already. He was hitting in the low, what, 250s? Well,
1: he was hitting 254 upon them releasing him with six home runs and 29 RBIs. Now, the interesting thing that you, that you had mentioned was it wasn't so much for a bonus, it was that his option kicks in if he achieves 497 plate appearances this year. Um, out of those six home runs and 29 RBIs, Three of those home runs and 10 of those RBIs have come against the Yankees this year, and he has notoriously been a Yankee killer, which is why I kind of find found this move interesting because they played six games already this year. They've split, um, but that you know those two teams are going to be battling down the, down the line, and watching from a Yankee perspective, there's less guys that I want. There's not many guys that I'd face uh or i'd face rather face less than than hamley ramirez yeah, so so Manny that ramirez was and david ortiz yeah That's that was an, it that was an interesting that was an interesting move from that perspective just if you're going to look at the AL East battle that should go on all year but yeah just from a player perspective man i mean they they mentioned that they want to play mitch Moreland more at first you know jd martinez has been playing the outfield you can't really play hanley out there um they want the versatility. I guess it was Alex Cora that had recommended it to Dave Dombrowski. But yeah, that kind of just came out of nowhere. Generally, you see players like Harvey or, you know, who fall out of love with their organizations or guys that just aren't cutting it anymore, like a Jose Bautista, recently signed by the Mets, who are are DFA'd. Not a guy who's hitting in the 250s. I mean, if you want to look at somebody that's been slumping lately. You can look at D.D. Gregorius, who won Player of the Month in April and had, I think, five hits in May. So if you're going to look at it from a slump perspective, that's that's a little harsh.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously D.D. is a little bit different. He's one of the best shortstops in baseball. But, you know, Dave Dombrowski doesn't get a lot of shit because, you know, they've been successful under under his regime. But, you know, he's made a couple bad moves Um you know, to to name a few. I mean, he's got this one. The price deal doesn't look too good.
1: They're still paying all of Pablo Sandoval's contract. Pablo
0: Sandoval. Um, I don't. I don't recall. Was he around for the Adrian Gonzalez one?
1: No, he came aboard in fifteen. So he he uh, he signed Sandoval and Ramirez, and he signed Price.
0: All right, so you know what? I was going to say he has he has a World Series under his belt, which kind of puts a little deodorant on it. But, no, that's another Theo World Series where Theo kind of signed all those bad players, Carl Crawford, um, Adrian Gonzalez. Not that they're bad, but they didn't play well for them. And uh, whoever else they signed during that offseason, then they flipped them on the Dodgers and turned it into a World Series. So, I mean, Theo's the best, man, uh, best GM in baseball behind Brian Cashman, but... Um, you know, I, I don't I don't see how much longer you can let him get away with things like this cuz you know, he hasn't re- they haven't really done much.
1: No, and that and it's such a curious move too as I said, you know, you're going to be battling a team. I mean, as far as as far as guys that if you if you are looking at your, the landscape of your roster and you know that you're playing a team in your division another 13 times, and you have a player that wears out that opposing team's pitching, regardless of who it is, I would think you'd keep him on the roster just to play him against him. I mean, yeah. so I, I would I would be very curious by that move. That's it's not often you see a player of that caliber getting DFA'd. I know that he's kind of dead weight as far as where he can play and DHing and whatnot. Um, they want to have the versatility. Marlon's had an amazing year. Obviously Martinez has had a great year. So it's not they're going to still produce and they're going to produce plenty but yeah it was a curious decision i'll be interested to see where he winds up I, again it's it's i feel like this is just a broken record but i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised if the mets took a flyer on him they need right-handed power greatly and Adrian Gonzalez has played well for them at first, but they could probably go on a platoon. You don't know how long, long Gonzalez can, can continue. Yeah, they just signed Ho- Jose Bautista to play some outfield for him with the with Cespedus being out again. So who knows? I mean speculating, I mean I really would only believe that winning a, a team contending would, would scoop him up. They'll wait till the seven days when they can get him for free. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he goes.
0: I just think it's funny, too, um, just a last point on this, you know, it's it's so funny how because they don't have a cap, and I guess Zembrowski is really comfortable in his job, how quickly you'll admit defeat on that because, you know, like we said, he's batting three, four, five. He's a great player, yet another another uh, sport, the Jets won't even release Christian Hackenberg. They didn't even – the regime that's they were able the to Jets trade to didn't Oakland, even – Yeah, I know, but – I mean, I they wouldn't even release him and he was never even going to play a down of football yet the Red Sox will so freely admit defeat. It's it's just it's crazy how well, different sports are Well, I'll are, do, but. I'll
1: do you one better even staying within the same sport. I mean, yeah, you can really criticize the moves he's made. As a matter of fact, I just I was looking it up earlier. They're paying 45 million in in addition to the, the with with Ramirez being DFA, they're going to be paying 45 million dollars of deadweight contracts. To Sandoval and a Price, if you if you count him as dead weight with the amount of times he's hurt, and uh, and now Ramirez, I mean that's that's not good. But you know if the Yankees want to s- solve the Jacoby Ellsbury problem, they could. I mean I will give the Red Sox credit for this. Listen, you don't like to admit defeat on a contract, and you don't like to throw away a, a millions and millions of dollars. But if they know that they're not, if they got players. In other positions that can fill those roles and play better and provide a little more versatility, they're going to cut him loose.
0: Yeah, well, Jacoby Ellsbury, the Yankees don't really have to do much now because he's not wasting a roster spot. He's on the 60 day DL. And maybe that's something that they would explore a buyout or even just cutting him loose um, if if it comes to that. But we'll, we'll worry about that when there's talks of him getting healthy, if ever. Um, so to go back into the Yankees talk, since you brought them up. Um, Greg Bird came back off the DL yesterday um, and they sent down to um, fan favorite uh, team favorite. I would like to have seen them sent down Austin. I mean, I know the guy's got a lot of pop, which is why I think that they kept him up, just because you know you have a Neil Walker and a Glaber Torres that can play those other positions, and you would rather a guy like Tyler Austin to come off the bench in a pinch hit situation and can can give you a home run, whereas Torres, I mean, yeah, he's a utility guy, but he's not going to hit you a home run, pretty much ever. Um, but you know, I would have liked to see Torres stay up, but. It's a, it's a minor decision.
1: Yeah, and you know, you I was reading reports saying that, you know, the Yank, the mood in the Yankee clubhouse was very very somber, very down upon Torres. I don't He's, care. I know you don't, and that's fine. I mean, I, I'm not going to certainly get upset about it. It's not my clubhouse. Do you want me to, I'll send him yeah, a the cake. I, I do love I do love send flowers. It was just interesting because we had been talking about for quite some time as to what the roster decision was going to be upon Bird's comeback. Uh, I didn't comeback. think it was going to be this. I didn't either. Um, Cashman came out and said he was going to keep the 13th pitcher in the bullpen, and It obviously paid dividends last night as Sonny Gray threw another clunker, and uh, the bullpen really was getting... Getting abused, and they needed AJ Cole to pitch the final three innings, which he did. You know that's a game where if you if you only have 12 pitchers, you're burning out a guy like a Robertson or a Betances in a game that doesn't matter. So I certainly see, especially with how the Yankee rotation is, with the exception of Severino, you're not going to expect a lot of length from any of those guys. So you want to make sure that you have a long guy in the bullpen to serve that role. I agree with you about Tyler Austin. I like him. He's got pop. He really wears out left-handed pitching. Uh, he's got eight home runs already this year, which is pretty great. But he's a first baseman DH kind of guy. I think if you're going to keep Neil Walker around, you can live with his right-handed bat from as a switch hitter against lefties. He plays a little better first base than Austin does. I guess what they're looking at is... They can do a platoon, a loose platoon with Bird. They're not going to make him play every day upon coming back. Austin can play against some tough lefties. Um, So you're looking at it from that perspective. Walker provides the versatility and some more pop than Toreas does. I just know that Toreas is a— is a team guy. Everybody loves him. He's a feel-good story from a fan. He's a feel-good story from the team. He'll be back up, though. You said that before, too. You, you have to imagine that a guy like Ty Austin could maybe be in a trade at some point. If he's really not producing at all, they'll send him down, bring Tureus back up. But there's plenty of good vibes on this on this team. You really don't have to worry about that. Uh, the way Gleiber's playing, uh, they just need more. The really the issue has been the starting pitching, and it continues to be a trend. Sonny Gray takes one step forward and two steps back. Let's
0: try five steps back, Jesus. I mean, he, the last time we spoke, he was starting. I feel like every time that we we do this podcast, he's either just started or starting again. And he, threw and eight, he eight innings, great. one run. Yeah, and and he's pitching against an Angels team. It's a better lineup, but you're not playing the Astros here. And regardless, I mean. Mike Trout owned him, which is fine, but the rest of the team should not own him the way they did. And, you know, it's at the point now where even we went to the Yankee game when Severino pitched. Great game. Ace performance by Severino. Great all-around win for the Yankees. I had a really good time going. But, you know, even that day I was telling you, you know, I really think Gray's going to turn around. I really think he's going to build up this start. I'm at the point now where you're paying him too much money to not start him, but You know, you got to have A.J. Cole or whoever the hell he is, you know, always on the edge of his seat because, I don't know, every start is like, I don't think there's ever going to be a time where I can say, unless he strings together five, six good starts in a row after the All-Star break, I'm not going to be able to say, you know, Sonny Gray really looks like he's turning a corner now. No, what I'm going to say is that was a good start, you know, next time he's going to give up six runs in the first three fucking innings, which is... I, I don't even know what to say. The guy's got too good of stuff to be to be nibbling on the corners. We've talked this shit to death. It's unbelievable. I and mean, you know what's, what else is there to say? Well, really, you know what's
1: funny that you mentioned is they're not even really paying him much money. He's still on a young deal from Oakland. It was really the prospects as far as what you paid for him to get, even though I don't believe any of those get prospects were going to be playing on the major league level. It's a trade I would do again. I know we when we were talking about it at the game the other night, you said you would do it again if you had to because the upside is there. It's just very disappointing, and, you know, as great as Cashman has been at getting certain players via trade or via free agency, he's not hit on some of these, um, you know, high-ceiling kind of young pitchers who have shown flashes of brilliance. You know, Pineda didn't work out. I know they didn't give up much to get him uh, looking back on that trade. Evaldi, same thing. You know, he's hurt again, and you feel for him, but even when he was healthy, he was very much the same kind of pitcher. And of course, I mean we have to continue to use the analogy, but the enigma that was AJ Burnett. I mean, you, the guy would go out, give you seven shutout innings, look like a top five pitcher in baseball. When Sonny Gray is on, he does look like a top five to ten pitcher in baseball. He's not a guy that's throwing junk at you and just and 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 finding ways to win. He looks straight up dominant but it's amazing how quickly he falls off the rails it's not even start to start it's inning to inning and it's even pitch to pitch you just can't you can't have guys like that because Tanaka's the same kind of way and you hope because they're professionals and that they've had flashes of brilliance and they've had some success that they'll find it but i mean if you want to talk about how the Yankees need an upgrade in starting rotation we kind of alluded to it last week and, and speculated who's they could tar- who they could target I mean, my God, I know that they're going to slug their ways to some victories, and Severino's a given every time he starts. But this is bad, and Sabathia really got hit hard against Texas. In that Texas series, though, Hamels held the Yankees down to two runs and seven. He's got a lot of money owed to him. I don't know, but he would slide it in quite well in this rotation, especially if the Giants aren't willing to give up Baumgartner.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um And I don't the money. The Yankees already reset the luxury tax, so I don't the money doesn't bother me. Um, What would bother me more is the years that you'd be locking yourself into. But he only has a year left on his deal, so I think it's the perfect guy for the Yankees to go out and get off a Rangers team that, you know, isn't really doing too well. The last thing on Gray, though, you know. Tommy Kainley went down to the minor leagues, and I know he didn't pitch well yesterday, but I think he's gonna—you're gonna see that he's gonna look like the the same old Tommy Canley as as of last year. You know, throwing a hundred, blowing it by people. Sonny Gray, especially if um, you know when Montgomery starts to come back, and if you trade for another pitcher, or even if you're ready to pull up uh, another guy from the minor leagues, he looks like the type of guy where you can just say it's arm fatigue or whatever bullshit. He needs he needs to reset his brain and he needs to go away he needs to just focus on pitching and stop worrying about everything else down in the minor leagues and I, I just think that he needs a phantom injury a David Price type injury or something where you know he looks fine but he sucks ass and <laughs> he he just needs to maybe he just needs to you know stub his toe or something I don't know. I think he needs. I think he needs to go work on his mechanics or or something. He's leaving everything up. He's nitpicking. He just needs to. He needs to fucking figure it and out. And you but can't to go blame.
1: And you can't blame Sanchez because these are. Th- this is another start with his personal catcher, quote unquote, Austin Romine. No, yeah,
0: he's just playing awful. There's nothing else you have to say. Um, but to go into Hamels... I would love to see that trade. The money doesn't scare me. As a matter of fact, I would rather the Yankees give up less prospects so they can set themselves up for another deal this year or next and take more money just because it's a year. And that solves your pitching in the short term. You basically put a band-aid on that 3-4 starter for the next two years. He's a proven guy. He's a World Series champion. He's He's a veteran. He's not, like, going out and taking a flyer on a young guy, like you've said before, Um, and you wouldn't have to give up, you know, your your A and B guys. You can give, like, I would like to see a trade if I saw on Bleacher Report, you know, it was Tyler Wade, Tyler Austin, and a player to be named later, a, a low A pitcher with a lot of promise, but... You know that is even a
1: Domingo Herman. If they look at yeah, him and no, say he's got good stuff, that wouldn't hold up. A, a guy trade. like
0: that, or a guy like a pitcher, where in five years you could be like, "Oh, I forgot the Yankees had him." You know, I forgot he was in that trade. So be it. You know, but he's a guy who you know he's going to come out. He he he's very durable. He he's never really had an injury, and he's a ground ball pitcher in Yankee Stadium, and he throws with his left arm. Believe it or not, which is always good to have. Um, <laughs> So, you know, I just think it checks all the boxes, and I'd be really surprised if the Yankees didn't go out and get him. I think he's the perfect deal. And we've alluded to the fact that, you know, me and you personally, we would love to see Bumgarner on the team, but then you're going into your blue-chip prospects where maybe you don't need a Bumgarner. Maybe you just need a more solid rotation behind Seve and Tanaka. Um, and Cole's more – or er, not Cole, sorry – uh, yeah, Cole, Cole Hamels. Hamels, not Garrett Cole. <laughs> you I, got wish. The first name right. I wish. I um, wish. But yeah, he's more of a guy that can shore up that that middle of the rotation, and he's been in the playoffs a bunch of times. And you're not going to have to spend that much. So then next year, if you want to go out and get a a Falmer or or anyone, any of these pitchers that become available due to the circumstances, you can.
1: Yeah, I dude, I totally agree with you. And you know, I think what the Yankees can adopt is. The is the Cubs' mentality of of winning and like they did in sixteen. You know they had their ace, who was who was Lester at the time, and I know they signed him to a deal. But Severino is the Yankees' ace; that's unquestionable. But they were able to fill out that rotation with proven postseason pitchers, and they won because they had such a great young talent of a lineup, and and they the shirted up. One thing I will say is up the,
0: the bullpen too. The the Yankees, you know. They do. They do remind me of the Cubs from a few years ago. the The one thing that the Yankees do not have because they have definitely have a better bullpen than those Cubs did. Um, the lineup is pretty comparable. They don't have a Jake Arrieta. They definitely no, do not have a Jake Arrieta coming in right after. Uh, right O'Lester.
1: after Lester. No, and that's the unfortunate thing about you know a Tanaka and a Gray is you don't know what you're getting start to start. They have They're the potential. Arrieta, yeah. No, but they could. You know Tanaka. 2017 postseason version is better than Jake Arrieta. But he is... Just You don't know what you're going to get from him start to start. And that's where a guy like a Hamels would slide in perfectly in that rotation where you can go into a postseason series and say, listen, we're going to throw Seve in game one, we're going to throw Hamels in game two, you're going to knock a game three, and then you take your chance with either Sabathia or Gray, depending on the matchup. You like CC because he's another left-hander. He's been there, done that. He knows how to pitch in the playoffs. Maybe you work a game where you have Gray relieving Sabathia, or vice versa, because you know neither of them are going to give you length. That's so far ahead, but it's something you can think about, especially come trade season. But they're going to have to do something because, yes, Tanaka can throw a shutout. Yes, Gray can throw a shutout. You can take your chances, but they also can completely, you know, they can throw a fire on the entire situation as well. And they, the Yank, this is not last year. You know, th- last year it was a feel-good story. You roll with the team that you had. You upgrade in certain areas you didn't have to give up the farm to get pitchers it was let's see how far we can go with just a couple of tweaks here and there this is a team that's expected to win and i know the indians they aren't, aren't playing great but as they get better that's a rotation that's scary and when you face a houston team that's a rotation that's scary hell even boston you know that you you're facing a sale I know he hasn't done it in the playoffs yet, but that's a that's an arm that's that's tough to hit. And then you've got a price where when if he's on, even though the Yankees whoop him, he he's can still go out and pitch a good game. Porcello's good, Rodriguez is good, so the Yankees certainly need to need to upgrade. Um, just deviating from the guys in pinstripes for a little bit. Memorial Day is kind of that litmus test of and first benchmark point in the season where you're looking at the landscape of the uh of major leagues so Tom are there any things that uh stand out to you catch your eye outside of what we've been talking about pretty much continuously between the AL East and and the Mets even and whatnot
0: yeah something that's pretty interesting off the top of my head is the Dodgers because I mean they've just been decimated by injuries Bellinger took a real step back this year you know Seager's a huge injury um Kershaw hasn't been great he's been Whatever. Um, he's been hurt, too. Yeah, he's been hurt. Rich Hill's hurt. Um, basically, their entire starting staff is hurt because Ryu's hurt as well. Um, and then Puig's been hurt, and Puig is also Puig, um, which means he's very up and down. And, yeah, they, they just – they I don't think they're going to make playoffs this year, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, that's one that sticks out to me as well as Atlanta. Um, Washington's going to end up winning that division. That's almost a lock. But and they're really good. They really look good. I don't compare them to the Yankees last year like you do. I don't think they're that seasoned yet. But they look like a really – they look like a Cubs team like 2013, 2014 when all those prospects were coming up, maybe 2015 when, you know, they still miss the playoffs. But well, fifteen they went to the NLCS. 15, yeah, they, they lost, lost the Mets. The Mets yeah. But – You know, 2014 when you had all these guys coming up and they're still not playing well, but they're really exciting. Um, That's what the Cubs remind me of because I think that the dog days of summer are going to end up biting them in the ass at some point just because they're young, but they really look good right now. What about you?
1: No, I I agree with both of those. The Dodgers are are – tremendous disappointment and they've been ravaged with injuries and that's it's tough to come up from especially in a division that you know when we were doing our preview mentioned that that's probably the best division in baseball you know from just from the top two the AL East is but um, between, you know, even the Giants aren't that bad. They're only three games out. And that's why a bum garner trade could be tough. Obviously there's some months to go, but you know, the Diamondbacks have had their injury issues. They, they definitely miss Martinez. Souza was supposed to be their, you know, lesser version of him. He's been hurt all year. AJ Pollock's been out a couple of times. Goldschmidt's been really struggling at the plate. Um, uh, they're starting pitching with the exception of Corbin have not been fantastic, has not been fantastic, um, Colorado's playing well. Uh they've struggled in their rotation as well. I I really think the NL East has been the most interesting because Philly is actually leading that division by a half a game and you know, I they don't have as many highly touted prospects as far as, as the Braves do. But they're playing great. Some of their young players that kind of took a step back or you were waiting to develop have taken that next step this year. Uh, Arietta's helped share up that rotation. Carlos Santana has been a really good veteran cog in that lineup, hitting from both sides of the plate and playing a decent first base. Um, Their starting pitching still leaves a little to be desired, but they are a very athletic young team. Obviously, you just mentioned perfectly what the Braves are doing. The Mets, I still think, could make a little bit of a run for a wild card, but they are they can't hit, and they're taking flyers on guys like Bautista, who's been released twice. They're ta- they're, who knows if they go for Ramirez. They're always injured. Um, it seems like they, you know, obviously they had the Harvey fiasco. Um, so I don't know. Washington, I'm in agreement with you, is probably going to win that division. Um, I think I'm more surprised with how Cleveland has not played great. They're going to win that division by default just because the, the Twins, I think you spoke to at a podcast or two ago as to how bad they've been.
0: Yeah, they just can't figure anything out. Um, I mean, their best player, Sano, was hurt, but, you know, yeah, th- that uh, that's an easy division. I think we even said on the preview um, pod that they're only going to they're only going to need like 89 90 91 wins to to take that division so you know Cleveland they're a little more scary in the postseason than they are a regular season team due to the starting um staff and the pen they only need 3 runs to beat you you know Oh, for sure. So
1: yeah, if you can throw Carrasco and and Kluber and Bauer at you in a fi- in a best of five, I mean yeah, tough. and
0: you forget because Danny Salazar was an all star two years ago. The guy's very injury prone, but that's a really really scary starting staff. Has been real good. Yeah, staff I mean too. they they have one of the best between them and the Astros, probably two of the better staffs in baseball, I would say. Yeah. Um. But yeah. They're going to turn it around. I'm don't really. i not really surprised by them because they're sitting in the hunt right there. Um, the
1: Cubs have been a bit of a disappointment four games back. They just placed you, Darvish, on the DL.
0: I saw that with, like, Forum something, whatever. Um, but the Cubs are going to be there. I think the Cubs are probably going to end up making the biggest splash of the trade deadline, and that may end up truly invigorating them and just waking them up. Um, but, yeah. I don't worry about the Cubs. I pick them to win the World Series. I'm gonna stand by that firm because I think when they get Manny Machado in that lineup, it's a it's a wrap because I think it's gonna really um, shock the starting staff and kick them in the ass. And then the lineup's just who do you, how do you get anybody out in that lineup? You know, when you got a Kyle Schwarber hitting eighth, who can hit a ball 800 feet, and he hit 30 home runs last year. I don't really know what the hell you're gonna do. And you got guys coming off the bench like. Um, any of the any of the any of their guys on the bench, Jason Hayward might end up going to the bench, or you know they have that center fielder Almonte or whatever Almora. His name. Al- yeah, right, right, Almora. He's he's more of a defensive player, but he can hit the ball out of the ballpark. Ian Happ has been. Ian Happ. You got Baez, All these guys, you know, they they look. And then if you put a Machado, that just pushes them all down one spot. Minus you know Rizzo and um and Bryant. Yeah, Bryant. I don't know why I, th- I forgot his name, but <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm not really worried about the Cubs, and I think the Cubs are also going to go out and get a back end starter. They're not going to spend much, but I think that they might go out to get go out and get a back end starter, or maybe a bullpen guy to share it up, because you know, Epstein knows how to take advantage of guys' primes, and you don't want to waste a Rizzo who's an MVP candidate yearly, and you don't want to waste a Chris Bryant who maybe go down as one of the greatest third basemen ever if he keeps it up. You know, you don't want to waste his prime either. Um, I mean, he's having one of the greatest starts to a career ever, too. He's not Trout, but.
1: I mean, few are. And, and I know you're a fanboy of Trout, and you would trade – Judge and anybody else driving to the park, driving to the airport to go get him. But...
0: And I know for a fact, I'm right. <laughs>
1: Trout is, he is.
0: Did you he... watch last night or no?
1: I watched. No, actually, I didn't watch, but I did see the highlights. He's, he's truly amazing. I mean, he went deep in the game we went to Friday night hitting a second deck right field home run and just the shortest swing off a 97 mile an hour fastball from Seve. I mean, he's, he's, he's amazing. He really is. And I think one thing, too, that I would take in totality from where we are is. At, this first you know uh, at this first benchmark of the baseball season is the young talent in the game is as good as it's been in in a really long time and in different tiers i mean you have your guys in your prime like machados and those guys who are ready for and harpers and who are ready for their first big paydays then you have your next tiers of chris bryant and you have
0: Correa, Correa, all the and short stops, yeah. You don't really have to name the guys because we could be here all day. Baseball is in really good shape. You know, we could go up and down the roster, and we can go up and down each farm system and just rattle off these guys. And Glaber Torres is just another one where, I mean, he's probably going to be hitting third for the Yankees in two years, and uh, he looks great. I mean, I don't know what else to say about him. Um, he he looks, you know, if he keeps it up for another couple weeks it'll look like a Sanchez judge kind of Sanchez two years or whatever, two years ago and then judge last year. And people forget about Sanchez, you know, on the Yankees just because you got so many studs. Um, But he's an MVP candidate too, a good defensive catcher. Although I I think that his pass balls just are from him being lackadaisical and just falling asleep out there. They're not due to skill. But, you know, I don't want to go too much more into Yankee boyish, but – you know, I, Glaber looks great too as another young player. Yeah, and then you've
1: got the all the guys in the National League East uh, between Ozzy Albie's and Ronald Acuna in Atlanta, uh, Juan Soto who went deep in in his first at bat in Washington. They still
0: haven't called up Robles yet. Uh, Keep in mind the Mets still have um, the shortstop too, Rosario. Yeah, yep. I mean, uh, although he. Doesn't look like much of a professional right now. I know he was a highly touted prospect. Good bat and really good defensively. I think he'll end up turning it around. The Mets don't have much. But, you know... He's he's very good too. The NL East is very very talent latent and you know they they have a lot of guys that are really ready. And you have a few more on the way. Victor Robles in the um, in Washington, who I predicted to be NL Rookie of the Year. You got um, Vlad Guerrero's son.
1: Oh my God, dude, he's gonna be. He's and hitting like Jace, 465 in in Toronto in their the, AAA system. If right the
0: Jays, you know, keep being middle of the road, I, I don't see them keeping him down much longer. Um, you know, and there's a few other guys, a few other big prospects that you want to see come up. You'd love to see some Yankees bring some pitching up, but you know how they are with the pitching. They're going to baby them. Um, but yeah, the baseball's in really, really good shape just from a, just from a total perspective of, of youth and where the game is. I'm really excited. Um, especially being a Yankees fan and having everybody good last thing before we go though, Jean Carlos Sands really got me worried. Just because, you know, I feel like he's fallen back into a slump. The game we went to and just watching yesterday, he's just going up there and deciding to swing before the pitcher even gets the sign from the catcher. I mean, he's swinging at pitches eight feet above his head in the dirt, 10 feet out. He's just swinging at everything. I, I He doesn't look like he has an approach at all He really looked like he was coming out of it about a week and a half ago Two weeks ago He sprayed a lot of home runs all over the field He was hitting singles and doubles And now he's back into it where it's like He either hits a home run on a pitch right down the dick but, Or he fucking strikes out He's been in the league too long to, for these pitchers to know just don't throw him a strike, and he'll get himself out.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you, and it stinks because I, I do like Stan. I, I think he, he came over, he worked that trade like a free agent. He wanted to be a Yankee. You know the the Yankees like him in that room. He's still a very dangerous name in the middle of that order. But, yeah, I mean he's looked kind of lost, and I don't know if this is – all going to still be an adjustment and this is just going to be the kind of year he's going to have where there's ebbs and flows and he ends up hitting a quiet 35 home runs uh which obviously would be a huge disappointment from where he was last year but,
0: yeah, but I, I look at what
1: aaron judge man they're the same kind of hitter and aaron judge just seems to get better and better and that. better every single time and i
0: don't agree with that and in, in at all aaron judge Aaron Judge goes up there like a professional hitter. Aaron Judge... But when he came up, he did not. Yeah, because he was a rookie. That's my point. Mike Stanton Stanton should. Mike Stanton reminds me of... Whatever. Drop the Mike Stanton. At this point, I'm calling him Mike Stanton until he starts performing again. I'm just kidding. Whatever. I'm sorry. Gene Carlos Stanton. He looks like a guy like... I don't even want to say Adam Dunn because the guy walked a lot. He looks like... Stanton as a rookie. Stanton now, I would not call them the same type of hitter. The only thing that, that they have in common is that they're both big, strong, big power hitters that... Are also v- pretty good defensively, but no, they don't have the same approach at all. The judge looks like a professional hitter up there. He's been having an incredible year, and I think you're honestly, you honestly, truly discredit all the Judge has done if you comp the two of them. And, it, and I know I, it's I an mean, it's the easy way from, out. No, I meant, I
1: meant comp them from the standpoint of they're both power right-handed power hitters. Yes, I meant but Judge more is from a, a stint- professional hitter yes, at this point. Yes, and what I was trying to get to before you jumped me and almost went up my throat Listen, was the fact fucker. that, that Stanton, I still want to trade him for Trout, but Judge uh, is great, that,
0: and, tra- and Stanton's been horrible. But that's the thing.
1: Judge has made adjustments in a year and a half to two years that you would think Stanton would have figured out a while ago. He came up in 2012 he look, He looks like the guy that's in his third season and only second full year. Judge looks like the guy that's been up for a long time. Yep. That's what I'm trying to say is they're both the same kind of hitter as far as power right-handed bats, but Judge has a professional approach. Judge knows what he wants to do with the ball. He takes his walks. He's not over-aggressive. Other Ever since that little dip he had in, in the middle of last year, which I think was more of a product of being a home run derby participant slash winner and he then having high a shoulder yeah and being tired he's been nothing but amazing he came alive in the in August and September last year had a pretty good postseason and then he's just picked up right where he left off last year as a matter of fact he's gotten even better because he's not swinging for the fences and when he does connect he hits him as far as anybody Stanton doesn't seem like he has he's he I can't even say he's streaky because he hasn't had one of those you know 14 for 27 Streaks either. He he'll hit a, he'll have a couple games where he collects two hits, but he's I think next year is going to be the year where he's really comfortable kind of a Rod oh five where, you know his first year in New York he th- hit thirty six home runs it was not what he did in Texas the year before, and then in 05, he wins the MVP. I'm not going to predict Stanton's going to win the MVP next year but he should be better I think this is just going to what you're going to have to kind of live with with him this year you hope he hits in the low 260s he'll hit you 35 home runs you hope when postseason comes around he, he's able to put together some good at bats but my god man you're right he, he, he looked lost in that game he looked lost last night and the worst part is is it's not even against great pitching it's against
0: pretty anyone, average against pitcher. anyone really I mean Every pitcher pretty much has the book where they just go, all right, I'm just going to start him off with a fucking slider in the dirt and he's going to swing at it. Or, or a fastball that's not even close to a strike. And, yeah, I mean, it's like, Judge has figured out, I'm going to hit just as many home runs with a contact approach and with, a, with you know, take my walks and everything. He's still going to end up with his 35 home runs. It's just I'm not going to strike out 8 million times. And Judge still has his fair share of strikeouts. Don't get me wrong, but... I mean the guy they're in different they're in different stratospheres at this point of hitters which is like you said you, if if I didn't if there was no names or anything and I said who's the 7 year veteran or whatever and who's the guy who's you know the young guy who's a stud but still hasn't figured second it out second full year yeah y- you would flip-flop them but you know, again, we're, we're we're constantly complaining about a team that's a few games 15, out of first six, place. Yeah, they're they're and,
1: sixteen games over five hundred. They're two games out of first place. Yeah,
0: we're getting real nitpicky here, and I'm sure all the Mets fans are are mad. But you know that that's pretty much it. Um, I'm excited for these two game sevens. By the time we talk next. Um, we're going to have an NBA Finals. We'll see if our predictions were right. Yep. Um, I think we're batting about maybe 100 <laughs> for our predictions.
1: That might be generous. But, you know, what makes me feel better is a lot of the analysts who get paid a good amount to analyze and predict these games have been batting about the same. So Yeah,
0: I mean, I still got that Michigan prediction right. So You're I'm holding really
1: well. true to that.
0: That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Keep hitting yeah. those
1: parlays in your offshore betting. You know, once once it becomes legal in another week or two, you can do it that way as well. Yeah, and then I
0: can <laughs> just pay taxes on it.
1: That's right. But,
0: uh, yeah, so I'll talk to you next week.